This is Wake and Bake with Reverend Kim. I decided to answer a mediumship question this week, something that I get asked all the time. How do I know my loved ones are around from the other side? How do I know it's really them? And what can I do to improve my ability to communicate with them? I get asked that all the time. And the truth is, there's a lot you can do. We're all able to connect with the other side. We're all energetic beings. We're all one and we're all built the same. Basically, in theory, anyway. I like to lay it out with this little analogy that I use comparing it to running. People have the ability to run. We're born that way. Of course, there's some people who are born a little differently and not physically able to, but the fundamental design is still there. The potential for the ability is still there. And then we have a whole range that branches off from that place, from people who have no interest whatsoever in ever jogging a day in their lives, to power walkers and treadmillers and sprinters and marathon runners. Some people are naturally talented. Some people have to train really hard, but everybody can. Some do it better than others. Some even do it professionally. Others just chase their kids in the park. And it's the same with mediumship. We're all designed to be able to. How well we do and how much we focus on it varies, but we're all capable. And so are they on the other side. The same over there. Some of them are better at it than others too. It's all about vibration and tuning into the right frequency because they're always there. For me, how it feels is like there's a radio on in the background. It's always on. It's just a matter of whether or not I'm listening to the music or focused on the reality in front of me. It's a shift in focus from here to there, from low to high at the same time though. I go up and they come down. We meet near the middle. Not in the middle. We can't get all the way up there and they can't come all the way down. But near the middle, we get closer. Sometimes they need a boost and they'll work together to help one of them communicate more clearly. We can do that here on this side too. Like meditating together in a group can provide an energetic boost that people need to hear or see them. I've seen that happen many times. I've been able to put my hand even on someone's shoulder and give them a little boost and then poof, there it is. They can see or hear or feel a presence. We can work together and so can they. That's also why certain things, creepy things, paranormal or supernatural or whatever, are known to happen in specific places or with certain people. I get told all the time that weird shit happens when I'm around. One light really can boost another. Some are better at manipulating this realm than others too. They'll do things like leave coins or feathers and the ones that aren't so good at that will find other ways like song lyrics, repeating numbers, or even meet you in your dreams. A couple of years ago, I was getting dimes all over the place. There was a time when I was looking for some reassurance, and I was being bombarded with them. And I always love to play with their sense of humor. Have fun with this, right? We're, just, we're meant to. And we don't have to take this all so seriously. So I flipped it on them. <laughs> I insisted. I'm from Sudbury. It's the nickel capital of the world. So that's what I want. I don't want dimes. I want nickels. And then I got nickels. I asked for it. I got them. They wouldn't stop. They just kept showing up. And I just grabbed them and tossed them into a pile, tossed them into a pile. And the pile grew. It was so funny. It was like, oh, yeah, you going to test me with your your need for answers? Pfft, I'll show you. How's this? How here's so many nickels. It was so much fun. And just went on and on and on. A big pile of nickels. It was great. So I get those. And I also get a lot of feathers. Feathers is another one of my signs. I have so many stories about all the ways that they communicate. So many. But one of my favorite feather stories involves my Uncle Kenny. He's an example of one who's really good at communicating. Really, really good. The best I've encountered, really. But that wouldn't surprise anyone who knew him either. Because he just was that guy. He was the best at everything that he did. 
He's so good, he even knows that I would doubt anything that he said to me, being way too close to the information, because that's the thing with readings. The message is always right. They know what they're trying to say, but it's in the translation where things get confused. It's the interpretation where mistakes happen. I have a huge family. He was the only brother in a family with 10 sisters. I obviously know them quite well myself then, right? They're my aunts, and that can make it hard to do readings then. If I already know a name, I know a face that I'm being shown, I might doubt myself, I'll question it, more so than if it was just brand new information. And I also have opinions. Sorry guys, I do. And I want things for them and feel things and, you know, all that stuff. It's hard to get into that really unbiased state and really trust that I'm there and delivering the information exactly as it's intended and not as my brain and my programming and my filters and wants and all that stuff that think that it is and the way that it comes out, right? You've just got to stay completely unbiased hard it's tricky he knew all this I didn't have to say it he knew it and adjusted for it so nobody does not always but sometimes and when it like when it really counts and there's something important certainly then he communicates in riddles he'll give me names or speak of people in this like roundabout way he gives me information in ways that I wouldn't know logically in my head not until I figure it out brilliant I think it's brilliant absolutely brilliant but he was also an English teacher and an IT guy so he had all of these these skills already set up and lined up to help him this way he's just naturally that's who he is and he still is on the other side and he's so good at it it's incredible anyways right from the start that was always it he's been a very strong amazing communicator really right from the start I have so many stories from from this time, it was a few years ago now, um, but one of the bigger ones, an example of his abilities was on my mom's birthday, and it was also the day that he was buried. So it was an extra, extra hard emotional time for my mom then, right? Um, she'd lost her one and only brother, and it was her birthday. So some of her sisters and a few of my cousins had come over to try and celebrate a little, you know, hug her up, show her some love, and of course, my uncle showed up too. He was there. He showed up and he had a whole lot to say to my aunts who were there, a couple of specific heads up that were given about some stuff yet to come and things like that. He did really well. And then he named the song that my mom had silently asked him to. She never even mentioned it to me. He named the song. Um, It was a song that they used to sing when they were little, a song that wasn't really familiar to me. So I pulled it up on my phone and I played it. And of course, we all had, you know, one of those really good sappy crying sing-along times. And it was really, it was, it was a nice moment. And I could actually see him moving across the room. I could see him, I could feel him moving from sibling to sibling and my cousins too, just amongst them, hugging them from behind. You know, I could see his arms around them. I could feel him just moving from person to person and focusing on each one of them, just sending them so much love. They were all sitting around my mom's dining room table mostly, and I could see him move from chair to chair, person to person, just moving around that space and just so strong and so powerful, his arms around them, just loving them and singing away. We're a sappy bunch and we did it well. And eventually we dried our tears and some of us moved to like from the dining room to the kitchen, just clearing the air a little, taking it in. My daughter was there that night, and she and my niece were still in the dining room, and they called us back in there, all worked up. Like, I hear this, Mom, come in here. So I do, and right where I had been seeing him move, the area of the floor between all the chairs, right where I saw him moving from one sibling to the next, there were feathers. Not just one, not two, not a few. There were ten feathers. 
one for each of his siblings. There was no reason for them to be there. Nobody was wearing feathers. There was no pillow around. Nobody plucked a chicken. The room wasn't even fully cleared out. People still stayed there. My daughter didn't move. They never left. They looked down, and there they were. Ten feathers. And, of course, the brat that I can be, right? I'm going to play with this. And I insisted on one more. I like to push it, right? But I wanted one for my grandma, too. And so, of course, that little one showed up. He's also communicated with me in my dreams. And sometimes I dream things and I don't know where they're coming from. They're not one specific person or whatever. Like before my dad went in for heart surgery. I had this dream where he was laying on a hospital bed. And he was surrounded by people. The room was full and there were people on all sides of the bed. Circling the bed. Crowded in there. And spirit too. The room was full. His family, some of his friends who had passed, they were all there just surrounding him. And of course this should have terrified me then, right? To see that kind of scene. It doesn't sound like a hopeful scene when your dad's going in for a triple bypass. But it didn't feel ominous, though. It didn't feel bad. It felt peaceful, supportive. When the day came, my mom and siblings and some of my extended family were all at the hospital. His surgery had been delayed a few times already and was finally scheduled to go ahead. So we were up early and out and he was ready. And then they told him yet again, he'd have to wait. So a series of unexpected landed us all in this room, waiting for the surgeon, waiting for the emergency surgery to be over with so my dad could finally have his turn. And I found myself in a spot in uh, this little room that we were in, kind of in the corner behind him almost, behind the bed, where I could sit quietly and powerfully send him energy. I blasted him with as much as I possibly could, so much that the moment that I stopped, my nose started bleeding. They just gushed, like you see in the shows and movies. There's some truth to that stuff. My nose just bled. I gave it all. But anyway, I was sitting there, sending energy, as wide open, as flowing as I could possibly be. And I looked around, and I caught it. I saw the exact scene that I had seen in my dream weeks before. All these people showed up and were standing around his bed. And they were there energetically too, in spirit. The room was full. And there really was peace. It was all okay. I had already seen the whole thing. And it gave me the confidence that I needed to know that my dad really was in good hands. So that was a dream invasion. A heads up about a time that I'd need some real strength and confidence and belief and all that stuff. My faith. I was shown the team from both this and the other side. And I, I, I knew that he was going to be okay. It's kind of cool, I think. And I can manipulate the physical realm, too. Got so many stories. I feel like these should be told around a bonfire or something. It's so many stories. This one time I was home alone, and I heard a knock, a loud and very clear knock on the door going down to my basement. I was home alone, but I heard it, and not like psychically heard it. I heard it in my ears out loud, and it grabbed my attention. Anybody here would have heard it, too. But nobody was here. It was just me. So what am I going to do? Someone knocked. I had to answer it. So I went and opened the door. Hesitantly, of course. And thank God nobody was there. But I felt the pull to follow. So I did. I went down the stairs, down the hall, right into my daughter's room. I opened her door and saw why. It was raining outside. And the window well was filled. It was filled, filled right up. And there was water gushing in, just pouring, pouring, like a waterfall, just pouring in from the window into her bedroom. I had to hurry to move her bed and her bookshelf and do what I could to stop it and sop it all up. She was gone for the weekend. She was at her dad's. I wouldn't have known. It 
never happened before. This was all new. I would have had no reason to go down into her room. Her stuff would have been ruined. We would have had mold, gone, all of her books, everything. I would have had no idea. Who was that? I have no idea what that either. I don't know who that was. But did I ever give thanks for that one? Taken care of. Taken care of. Because I listened. I followed. Another time, though, I was a little less grateful. Sometimes I still get really freaked out. It doesn't happen often, but when it does, it gets me good. Like this balloon, this stupid balloon story I have. I hate them now. My son loved helium balloons. I get them for him whenever, no occasion needed. Just grab him a balloon and be the best mom ever for a little while. So again, I'm home alone and in my living room. I went from one corner of the room, down the hall, up the stairs, and into the bathroom. I left the door open. I was just primping in the mirror, taking my time though. And then I see it behind me in the mirror, the balloon coming up the stairs and down the hall toward me slowly. It came right into the bathroom. And so I laughed. I was out of there. It creeped me out bad, but I just kind of chalked it up to air current, right? Just airflow following me. And I figured it got swept up and just followed the stream of my movement. So I went back downstairs into the living room sat on the couch probably got on my phone or something and some time had passed like enough time I don't know five or ten minutes or something anyway a good little bit later there's that damn balloon coming into my living room now not only did it come down the stairs helium doesn't move down but it came down the stairs and along the hallway into the living room and then right to me right to my spot on the couch where I was sitting and lowered itself to eye level it dropped down to eye level and I wasn't having it. I said, nope, right out loud. I grabbed a pen and I popped it. And that was the end of that. I didn't even care to find out who that was or what it was about. It was enough. Nope, pop, not happening. It was too much. And I don't like helium balloons since then. It was too much. It was just a little, it, too much, too much. Another time when it was a little much, again, I was in the bathroom. It was always my bathroom, right? Come on over. I dare you. Turn the lights off. Say Bloody Mary into the mirror. <laughs> my whole home is creepy. It's not just my bathroom. But anyways, I was getting ready for work. And I had clients that day. I was brushing my teeth and heard a really loud bang. So loud. And I felt this horrible pain in my throat. And then just like that, it was gone. It was only an instant, but a powerful one. I finish doing what I've got to do. My day gets started. Client shows up. We sit down and immediately it happens again. Bang! And this pain right in my throat. And it turns out that she was here to talk to her late husband who killed himself six weeks before. He shot himself in the throat. Why that one stands out so much, I'm not really sure because they use my body like that all the time. They squeeze my heart or limit my breathing. I get bumps and nudges, aches and pains. It happens all the time. It never lasts longer than a moment, and it's never caused me any real harm, but I do feel them physically, and that's definitely another way they communicate, and they let me feel their love, though, too, their love for their people, and love in general, gratitude. I feel so much gratitude. It's incredible to feel it. They share it. It's beautiful. It's not always so beautiful, though. Sometimes I end up making a real fool of myself in all this. There's a lot that happened a few Halloweens ago. The reason for the timing of this topic. Halloween is, it's a time, it, it's true, it's a time when the veil thins. There's a quality to the energy that changes. It's almost more potent, like the volume's been turned up on that radio. But anyway, it's been a time that my family has always celebrated. 
were a magical bunch, and my grandmother was the magical matriarch of our crew. She loved Halloween. She got dressed up and pulled pranks, and her place was the headquarters for all of my cousins to gather and head out trick-or-treating together. The local news has even been there twice, I think, because of the number of people who end up gathering there. I think I have 36 cousins. That's the number that I remember anyway, and it's around that if I'm wrong. It might be a little off, but big family, big family. And there's always some honorary family members that show up too, friends who end up coming along. So a big crew. And it's, it's just always been the home base, the hot spot. And my grandma loved it. The years passed and tradition continued. And even as her health started catching up with her. Didn't matter though. Halloween was better than Christmas. I think so anyway. And I really do. Halloween's my favorite holiday. I love that kids can finally go through their neighborhoods door to door, unafraid of strangers, and that they're met with smiling faces who just want to give them candy. Makes me so happy. The innocence of childhood with the magic and imagination and tricks and scares and treats and time spent together. The whole thing is just wonderful. I stupid love it. I love to carve pumpkins and even used to ask for Halloween decorations for my birthday, which is in September. I love, love, love it. So of course, I jumped at the chance a few years ago to go costume shopping with my son and his dad, my ex, when they asked if I wanted to join them. We'd still take the kids out together. We remain great friends, even though we've been separated for 10 years now. Again, it's a whole other episode. Few of them, maybe, but it's something that I'm very proud of. We've done some hard work to maintain a friendship and keep a healthy relationship for the kids, but for us too. We're parents together and we're friends. It doesn't always work that way. I know this, and I'm very grateful for it. When we split up, I started coming out to my inner circle and dealing with my sexuality once and for all, and he was incredibly supportive. I actually think his reaction was the absolute best of all the ones that I've gotten. When I finally said the words, when I told him I'm gay, when I came out to him, he was quiet for just like a quick second. And then I hear, ah, fuck, I'm Ross. (laughs) Any fans of the show Friends will totally get that one. And did I ever laugh? It's it's all been fine since then. That's it. (laughs) Ah, fuck, I'm Ross. And it's been fine. It took some time, though, to come out to the rest of my family. This shit ain't easy. As much as we'd all like to believe that we're living in accepting times and that we're past all of our deep-seated hate issues, it's, it's just not true. It's not. Homophobia is alive and well, and I've been very surprised with a lot of it. People I never would have guessed, never, ever would have figured to have an issue with it, sure did, and still do. Some have come around, which is wonderful, and I can't ever fault anyone for growing from the place where they were stuck. It's great. But it hasn't been the case with everyone. I've lost people, and it's been hard, but I still wouldn't change it. I love who I am, even if who I am is difficult to accept. kind of live an alternative lifestyle in a lot of ways, and I've had a lot of experiences already having to get good with other people's lack of acceptance. I can make a lot of people uncomfortable, so sometimes I'd rather just live my life and not have to be the voice of change, the one to pave the way, the example, and all that. I get tired of having to. Just like everyone else, I want to be loved and accepted. We all do. No matter how much I know and blah, 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 about other people's opinions not mattering, it's a reflection of them, all that. Yeah, yeah, trust me, I know it, I get it. But I still get tired of having to rise above it. I'd much rather people fix themselves so I don't have to keep adapting myself to their inability to. We're not above it yet, and it hurts, and it sucks, and that has to change, not me. But anyway, 
all's good and friendly between me and my ex. And it's a good thing because, wow, did I ever make a fool of myself that particular Halloween. We went out costume shopping just a few days before and I grabbed one for myself. Just a string of Christmas lights. I was going to wear it around my neck and figured I could do something neat with it for Christmas too. Put it in my hair or something, you know, practical. But I was made fun of. I hadn't seen the show Stranger Things yet. And so I had no idea what the lights even represented or why they were there as a Halloween costume. But it turns out that they're a method for communicating with the other side. Of course, that's what the medium went straight for, right? So I bought the string of lights, wore them around my neck. And when we took my son out trick-or-treating that night, we ended up in this cul-de-sac. And it felt straight out of a movie. It was just fantastic it was full of kids and costumes the lighting was just right had that cozy atmosphere just perfect I was walking behind the two of them at this point just taking it all in and loving up the magic and then I started hearing this crackling noise a home crackling buzzing I guess from the lights and then poof they're on fire and I am freaking out the two of them turn around to see what all the fuss is about as I'm yelling for help feeling the fire all around my neck my shoulders my face I'm burning I'm scared and I don't understand why nobody is helping me I can hear him telling me that there's nothing wrong with me and I turned around to show my back even like how do you not see this not understanding how 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 they don't I'm on fire and then just like that the whole scene in front of me changed and I see fire all over the road fire flames everywhere it's just all it's dark and it's just fire and I'm hot I'm sweating it's just burning everywhere and I'm I'm yelling get off the road get off the road it's gonna blow get off the road it's just coming out of me and I'm confused and I don't understand but I'm so in it too and my ex is humiliated at this point like the fuck what is wrong with you what fire what are you talking about and I can't understand why nobody's running away and I'm panicking and then just like that it's over And I'm back on the cozy street, and the Christmas lights are intact. Nobody's hurt. (laughs) It's all fine. I have absolutely no idea what just happened. No explanation. But I'm frazzled, and I'm scared, and consumed with it. But we carried on. Weird is kind of my normal. And they, they went back to his place, and I went back to my home to meet up with my daughter. And we piled ourselves on the couch and turned on the Disney movie Halloween Town, our favorite, a tradition about a little witch who's getting her magical training from her magical grandma. And I laid my head down on the couch and fell asleep, knowing that in a few hours, I'd be hearing that my own grandmother (laughs) made the transition. I knew it. I knew it was happening. I felt it. And I had for a few weeks already, but that's another story too but I knew I woke up in the early hours still on the couch and saw that my mom had called to break the news I woke my daughter up we got up to start packing and make the trip home and be with our family and all that and I got a text from her dad he sent me a news article asking if that was the fire that I had seen the night before that night there was a horrible crash on the highway on the 400 out here it was a 14 car pileup with two fuel tankers involved. It was being described as Armageddon, with explosions and flames everywhere. Cars burned right to their frames. People yelling, get off the road, get off the road, and three people died. The veil was thin. I saw it, I experienced it, two hours before it happened. Why? I don't know. It's a thin veil. So we packed up, we went home, and attended the funeral. My grandma was there. 
I was in the church, sitting in the pew with my kids beside me on one end, and there was an empty spot on the other side of me, along the aisle. The service started, and I felt her. She was just there. She sat beside me, but she didn't look at me, and I didn't look at her. We both knew, but we also knew that we'd cry too hard if we, if we acknowledged each other. And so we sat, and I felt her. I felt her and her composure. She was honored and showing her own respect as it was being paid to her. Incredible composure. Full of respect and honor. <laughs> I can still feel her beside me like that. It's beautiful. So even though I knew my grandma and I were good, because, <laughs> oh God, what a wonderful woman she was, I still had a question for her. I asked her very specifically for a leaf. I wanted a leaf in a way that I couldn't mistake or ignore, loud and clear that's how I am, right? I wanted a leaf, and I wanted that leaf as an answer to a question I never got to ask her. I wanted her blessing. I wanted to know that she still loved and accepted me, even though I'm gay. We left the church. <laughs> We're all gathered in the parking lot, waiting to move on to the cemetery. There was a huge crowd of people, so many people there. I stood just taking it in. And a cousin of mine came all across the way through the crowd and said something to me. I didn't catch it at first. I didn't understand her. She had to repeat herself. Loud and clear, right? I wanted to know loud and clear. She was trying to tell me that I had a leaf stuck to my dress. She came through the crowd to tell me I had a leaf. She took it off my dress and held it. Of course I cried. My mind was blown and I was so full of love and disbelief and relief and more and more love. Especially since I have 36 cousins, right? Give or take a couple dozen or something like that. And so my grandma had a lot of choice in selecting her messenger. But of course, she happened to choose my only other cousin who was out herself and had done so wanting to be a lighthouse to any of the rest of us who might need a safe space. I didn't know that. She brought her to me as support in love and acceptance. We have her blessing loud and clear. And that's really the trick of it. Staying open, asking your questions and allowing the answers to come through. Believe them as they do. And the more you accept them, the more it will continue. That's what this universe is all about acceptance of the other side of each other of the experiences we have and how we interpret the world around us we all do it differently we all walk or run in our own way get to know yourself and allow how you experience life accept who you are and how you do this thing that we're all trying to figure out get to know your own symbols and ways and how they can get through to you and get to know yourself in the process and know that that unconditional love really does move from one dimension to the next. It's just a matter of tuning in. I'm listening. To you, to myself, to the other side. And most definitely to the heart that beats through all of us. Enjoy the thinning of the veil and the magic that comes with it. Let's light it up with Reverend Kim. <laughs>